Welcome to the Specify Growth Podcast. I'm your host, Tats Nakagawa of Castagra Products. Each week, I talk to leaders and experts about how to overcome adversity, grow massive organizations, and how to create meaningful change in the building materials and construction industry. Today's guest is Ian Peterman. He's the CEO of Peterman Design Firm. Ian, thank you. Thank you for being on the show. Thanks for having me. You know, I understand your background. So product design, how did you get into it? Did you always want to be in product design? Yeah, I'm actually one of those people that when I was a kid, I used to design stuff and come up with inventions and I loved it. I I had an experience. I I came up with a in-wheel motor design and Siemens released it like three or four years after I had, I had come up with it and shown my dad. And, and so that kind of cemented, a, I can actually think of things. I know <laughs> I have ideas and that just grew. I got into an internship when I was 16 doing CAD work and design at a laser company. And that was kind of the last piece to seal the deal. I loved doing it. It, it was, it was fun. So from there, it just I grew my career. Yeah, no, it's it's good. It's um, like a, back in the day, we did do, we had a company that launched products and we did have a product designer in-house as well. So I do understand the process. In getting your firm up and running, I mean, I guess you worked at companies first and then you started your firm. What was the uh, idea around starting, go, going off uh, by yourself? Yeah, I definitely my first good section of my career was working for other companies, but I actually started, my career started before 2008. And then when that crash happened, I got into freelancing as a way to subsidize the the off and on work during that time, a lot of us experienced. So that got me into, and I just kept doing that. So I kind of always had a side gig working on some side projects and, and consulting and stuff like that. And then it turned into, I really I sat at the desk. I was I was in cubicles working on the same kind of product for you know years at a time. I, I spent time at HP. There's you know only so much you can do with a printer. There's actually a lot, but it gets a little <laughs> bit boring for me. And so that's when I decided, okay, well, I'm having fun with the contracting stuff. Why don't I just expand from there? And so I actually started a, a design firm with a few partners first as kind of stepping my dipping my toe first into in that realm and got a lot of experience and learned quite a bit and then we we broke up that company people didn't want to do it anymore went off and everybody kind of went off and did their own thing uh, and then I worked for a company for a little bit and decided that I needed I needed to run it in a firm again and get back into contracting because there's there's just so much you can do and being able to work on different projects and different fields. Uh, I really enjoy that. So that's, that's what led me to it and, and is keeping me here. Yeah. And, and I noticed that you have sort of a a focus on conscious design and sustainability. Tell me how that sort of intertwines with your product development work. Yeah. So it's always been something that I've had in my mind. I grew up, my parents were very, eco-friendly, you know, recycling was important, things like that. And so it was kind of just a background component. And then as 
as I progressed and as, as my firm grew, uh, we just, I just got to the point where basically I just decided, well, there's no reason to not create anything that isn't sustainable. There's, you know, why, why is that even an option still? And so that just led me to pivot. And I, I was asked the question, you know, what makes what you do different? <laughs> what's, what's special about your, you know, what's your process? And I hadn't really thought about it. And that's where I came up with conscious design of, okay, well, when I do, I do think about those things. I do think about sustainability, but I just hadn't put it down in a way where I could actually, you know, show someone <laughs> what my process was. And so that's what kind of led to me creating conscious design as a concept of, all right, let's design products and let's only do them if we're going to be able to be sustainable and think about all the different impacts that a product can have. Cause I've, I've worked in pretty much the entire range of it. I've, I've worked, I've built stuff. I've worked in actually building products on a floor. I've done the design, I've done supply chain and there's just so much to it. And so that's where that pivot of just realizing there's not really anybody else better to do it than the designer who's actually, you know, managing that process. There's, you know, so that, that just turned into, oh, all right, this is, this is direction I need to go in. More of us should, should be doing it. And there's no reason I should just start right now. And so that's, that's how we got here. Mm -hmm. I guess the question is what sort of things do you evaluate before you decide to take it a step further? Because obviously you only do a lot of work and realize that there's aspects of it that, that don't qualify. How do you think about that? Cause there's a lot of components there. Right. Well, the way I, when I'm talking to a new prospective client that says, Oh, I want to work on something. The, the evaluation really is making sure that they're on board with this approach. And I'm very open. I'm like, this is the approach we're going to look at the sustainability of it. We're going to talk, ask the hard questions about what happens to your product when it's dead and is end of life has arrived. What are we going to do about that? And as long as everyone's good with that conversation, then, and, and we agree that that is the way to move forward, then, then we move forward. And the way that we work through that is typically a discovery process. And that is where we ask those questions. We start diving into the life cycle of a product, which I think is a huge question that isn't asked a lot of times in, in the design process. It's more of, oh, well, you want to design that? Cool. We'll, we'll go design that and not really thinking about that. And so that's one of the really big components is end of life, you know, cradle, cradle, things like that. And that's where we, if, if it's all in alignment there, then, then we're good to go through the process. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That, that makes sense. So are there any challenges taking this approach opposed to just kind of, you know, product market fit or whatever else things right. like what, what sort of unexpected things occur when you take this approach? Yeah. So I'll kind of break that the unexpected piece is usually that once you start down this path and you really do create a more conscious, sustainable product that th there's a lot of fear around, oh, well, it's going to be too expensive. It's going to not be possible or, you know, just not awareness. And so there's this kind of education and awareness arc that happens where you start introducing, we go, okay, well, the, here are materials that we can use and no, they're not 
four times more expensive. They're actually pretty reasonable and people are willing to pay. If there is a little bit of an increase in cost, they're actually willing to do that. And so there's that, that is kind of the surprise <laughs> that go, happens is being able to show people and, and have them realize, oh yeah, this is, this is more possible than I thought it was. Cause it's 10 years ago, we didn't have as many material options, but now it's, there's so many coming out and that's, so there's, there's that. And then the challenges are, you know, there's still are materials that we just can't replace with a environmentally friendly option. There's, there's some use cases still where there's not a green way to do it. So the focus then becomes on, well, what else can we do around, you know, if we have to use that plastic material or whatever it is, or we have to use something else, what can we do around it? How do we make the supply chain shorter? How do we not ship it a thousand times before it goes to the customer and things like that and start. And we look at it in this more holistic business and product mm-hmm. whole system, because it is, it is, it is such an intertwined and connected system. And so we'll find ways. So how do we offset if we have to use something that we maybe didn't want to ideally. And so that's, that's usually the challenge is just, some of those areas we haven't, we don't have that material yet. We don't have a process yet. Uh, and some people are willing to take it on, right? So some, some companies are like, cool, well, how about we invent a, a material that, <laughs> that will, will replace it? And like, well, that's a whole nother journey, but sure, we can, we can dive down that road, but that's usually very expensive. So we, that's, that's kind of a, a stopping point. Typically, <laughs> nobody wants to invent a new material every time. For sure. Now, how much of your job is sort of bringing people down to earth with certain things? Uh, that is definitely a good portion of it. <laughs> I'd say maybe maybe 30%. And how do you do that? What are the things where the clients are like unrealistic for some lack of a better word? And how do you, how do you sort of educate? Yeah, so one of them is typically a lot of people think that it takes less time. So there's, there's a, especially to now, you know, we're still, we're still dealing with supply chain issues from COVID that ripple hasn't stopped hitting everyone, you know, so there's, there's a time gap between what they expect and what is actually possible. Cause they see, you know, Apple comes out with a new phone every 12 months, but they don't realize that they actually started on it 18 to 24 months before you see it. And, and that's so, the best in the world, right? That's the right. best in the world. <laughs> exactly. And that's, they're going fast, right? And that, that industry is, is moving at a, quite a clip. So really helping those expectations, guiding those on what does it actually take time-wise in order to develop a product. And if you're going to do it in a sustainable way, you want to do it in this conscious way, it's going to take, it will take a little bit longer time because you're going to ask questions that nobody else is asking. And so really kind of helping those, helping clients figure out those expectations and, and showing them, okay, well, this is, this is all possible, but you know, most of the time it's not for a lack of, you know, innovation. They, most of the time it's, I don't have to, you know, curb their, uh, what they can achieve with what they're having. And, you know, as an idea, because there's so many materials and processes out there now, you know, that, that used to be what I'd have to do is say, no, we can't actually do that. There isn't a biodegradable version of that in existence, but now we have so many options. 
And how do you keep up with all the different materials? What sort of track record do you need to see to feel comfortable using maybe a, a newer offering? So that really is just typically a conversation between the client and, and us. And here's, you know, if, if it's something that, you know, maybe there is just a brand new material and there isn't really... There are no existing ones. The only one that exists is only a few months old. Then, then it becomes a conversation of, well, what's the, what is your risk as, as the company? What kind of risk are you willing to take on a material? And then sometimes just navigating, well, how do we, how do we build a relationship with the company that's, you know, just released this material? How do we, you know, maybe partner with them in order to test it out? So really, I don't have a personal risk number where I go, oh, I, I won't touch it because there's so many new materials getting developed. It's really looking at it from a development time. Do we have the time to, to have that material, make some components out of it, test it to our own you know, requirements, whatever that the business requirements are, or do we not? Do we not have the time? Do we not have the resources to play with something that's experimental in some way? And that's you know, it varies based on business to business, what's going to be good. And some companies are, you know, they go, okay, well, I, we don't, let's, let's do it. If it fails, then we'll go back, but let's try it to start. And some are more, more, they want to see it out in use for a few years before they'll consider it a viable material. And, you know, as far as keeping on top of them, that is a lot of work. We do a lot of material research and because we work in with so many different clients in different spaces, it's just kind of part of our process and part of our job is that we are always doing <laughs> material research and talking to new companies, asking what their new materials are. And so it, it's really an ongoing process. We don't, I wouldn't say that we know all of them because we always, <laughs> we're always finding new ones. But it's, it's definitely a, a large component of what we do is, is finding those materials as we need them too. Yeah. I noticed that you, you help assist with the product launch. When a client comes to you, do you look at just their first couple of steps to, to create you know, items or low run stuff? Or do you try to assess their total budget in terms of product development and launching? Like how, what, what sort of scope do you look at things? Do you look at things from the first couple of steps? Or do you look at it more holistically just to, to understand how they're going to approach things? We take a holistic approach because without, without, like you mentioned, you know, short run, that's one conversation, large run, long run, that is a whole different conversation that sometimes requires different vendors. You know, it's a whole different supply chain in some cases to be able to do, you know, if you're scaling from a thousand units to a hundred thousand per year that manufacturer may not be able to handle it so you may need to be working with different ones so we try to when we do a discovery process we want to look at the next couple years you know ideally up to five years of well here's your product here's where you want to go here's your mark what is your marketing budget what is your marketing going to be on this what are what are the price points that you need to be at what does the market care about? You know, what are similar products out there? And looking at really that whole journey to get to the point where you're 
you know, where do you want to be basically is it is the leading question. And then there's a whole bunch of follow-ups after that of really pulling together what that's going to look like, because it's, I think it's a little bit, it is too short-sighted to, to just focus on the first couple of steps because it is a, it is a long journey. If you want to scale and if you want to, if you want to be a seven figure product, it's going to take you more than a couple of steps to get there. And I know you mentioned about, you know, costing more and, and people willing to pay more. And I've, I've read lots of studies on it. In your experience, how much more are they willing to pay or at least examples? And, you know, and are there situations that you've personally encountered where they weren't able to or weren't willing to pay more? Yeah. So typically what we've seen is somewhere between 10 and 20% more on average. If you're like averaged out everything out there, that's about what people are willing to put into it. That said, there are certain categories. So disposable items, medical items, and more, more commercial items. If you're doing a one-to-one you know, change. If you have a disposable item, but now you have a, you know, a more sustainable, but still single use disposable item and your cost is up, that becomes harder because people use so many of them. So they're thinking, well, I'm going to use hundreds of these. This is going to add up pretty quickly. And then the, I would say the medical field and, and more commercial use is still pretty pretty price sensitive. So those can be a harder sell, but at the same time, there's growing numbers of businesses who are specifically, they, they're pricing themselves and they're building the price structure in to what they're then charging to their customers to handle it. So it really depends on the focus of the brand and the business, but B2B is still still a bit stiff in competition if for, for pricing. Yes, that, that's been our experience for sure. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what's been a favorite project that you worked on? Oh, I loved working on lasers early in my career. That was that was quite fun because we, we, we did quite a few projects. We'd worked on some military ones. We worked on some medical lasers. And then I'm a, I'm a big Star Wars fan. So I worked with a company called Saber Forge and helped them turn their lightsaber line into a full production process. And so that was, that was a lot of fun to work on being able to design lightsabers as a job. That's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, it was fun. I've got to, got to play with them. Got to use them. Did some, uh, had, there were some photo shoots that got done with them that we got to have all the equipment with. <laughs> and it was, it was quite a, quite a bit of fun to work on. So yeah. Those are the ones that I can, there's others that are in development, but I can't share them yet. We have to wait wait till they go live. Absolutely. But we have some really exciting ones that we're working on right now that are more in the sustainable field. And that's, that's what we're, I'm really excited about now. And we'll hopefully launching the next few months. So when that goes live, that'll be, that'll be something you can find on our website when it goes live. (laughs) Perfect. So I know you have a podcast and in the process of interviewing various guests, you know, you learn a lot of things. What have been some really good key learnings that, you know, you went in not knowing and coming out with a completely new idea or perspective? Yeah. One of the ones that comes to mind that was pretty recent is I was talking to a data scientist for environmental data 
and he was just sharing how much how much data there is that we have on environmental impact and and what they can do with it in identifying you know potential risk areas supply chain impacts due to not only global warming but other other phenomena other weather issues and things like that that was pretty eye opening to realize just how much data so that basically that we've been collecting data for 50 years but nobody's done anything with it <laughs> nobody's known how to show it in a and apply it to businesses and so that's that's something that they're doing so that was that was pretty awesome and then another interesting piece i was talking to startup sphere they are helping people get 401ks that are divested of all oil companies and something that she shared on there was that they they did a study on the S&P 500 with and without oil companies and it did the same or <laughs> if not better without the oil companies on that and so that was something cuz a lot of people are afraid well if I, you know, it's profitable, right? Oil makes lots of money. So if I don't have those in my portfolio, will I be harmed? And the answer is no, you actually won't be. And you'll do better long-term because there's actually a huge amount of companies and in, in private investment groups that are pulling their funds because it's too risky now is what they've identified. So that was an interesting, you know, didn't, didn't know that before. So yeah, now there's, I think I learned a few things every time I have an interview. I, it's it's amazing. I enjoy it. Yeah, absolutely for sure. Is there anything that I didn't cover that you wanted to talk about? No, I, this has been this has been great. I, it's been fun fun chatting. Great. Well, I, I share the passion for sustainability and, and doing the right thing. So I, I I'm looking forward to following along in your journey. Same, same, absolutely. Thanks for your time. Thank you for listening to the Specify Growth Podcast today. Make sure you check out youtube.com forward slash Tats Talks for video of today's podcast. Hit the subscribe button for upcoming episodes. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.